Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the football podcast. For anybody watching, straight away, you might notice the quarter of the podcast is missing. We wish our colleague a speedy recovery. Um, but the podcast is still jam-packed with everything football-based. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment, drop any reviews you want to drop, and uh, if you've got a football fan in your life, send this podcast their way, they might get something from it, and if they do, that's awesome. Right, let's get going. Here we go, this is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Well, well, well. Ladies and gentlemen, she's not lying. Once again, those dulcet tones tell you all you need to know. We are here for your viewing and listening pleasure for another week of football-based nonsense. The eagle-eyed amongst you that are watching on YouTube will notice that conspicuous by his absence, we are one presenter down. So, speedy recoveries to the uh, unfortunately unwell Mr. Womancy, but... I do have two other men in tow with me, so without further ado, Mr. Andrew Cook, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm absolutely delightful. Absolutely delightful. I mean, that's, that's possibly the, the best response you're ever going to get. And with his faithful companion there, Mr. Matthew Moore, how are you, sir? I'm all right, yeah. Bye. Lovely stuff. So... For the, for, for the last couple of weeks of the podcast, obviously we've been diving straight in on the transfer business. Now... This week is slightly different in that the transfer window is now slammed shut. So as of the 1st of September 2022, no more transfers. Unless the player is unattached with a, without a club at the moment, which we may come to in our last transfer of the day. But we'll go through the clubs one by one and we'll just give a little update as to the final ins and outs of the window. Uh, so Middlesbrough went into the uh, the transfer deadline day needing at least three players, in Chris Wilder's idea. They got zero. They didn't sign a single player on transfer deadline day, which probably came across as quite irritating to uh, a lot of Borough fans, but they'd done business earlier in the transfer window, so it's not as if they didn't sign anybody. The, uh, the deals just weren't, obviously, financially viable, so... Not for the good about it, but on a movement out perspective, there were two people to leave the club. Uh, Josh Coburn has gone on a season-long loan to Bristol Rovers. He is still injured, so he probably won't play for the next month or so, but um, rather than keep him around the club until January and not have him play, it made more sense to get him out the door early, even though he's not fit to play. Get him used to sort of joining in with training, the best that he can do, and then obviously he'll be able to once he's fit again, and he'll join in with the first team at Crystal Rovers. Uh, one permanent, uh, le, sorry, one permanent transfer out for the borough was uh, a young young man by the name of Sam Falarin, who joined Harrogate Town on a permanent basis. Now, Falarin was signed at the same time as Isaiah Jones was from non-league Tooting and Mitcham. Obviously, as Isaiah Jones has gone to make himself a bit of a mainstay in the in the team, he's obviously the first choice right wing back. Um, 
Can't quite say the same for Mr. Falarin, sadly. He, uh, he went on to make four appearances for the club, scoring one goal in an FA Cup tie against Brentford a couple of seasons ago. Um, obviously, he stayed fairly local to, to myself, so I, I dare say I'll see him play if I go to see Hartlepool United play Arrogate at some point in the near future. So we'll see how he gets on, but best luck to the young man. Let's see if he can uh, make something of his career. Obviously, as we covered at the start of the podcast, Mr. Mr. Hull City himself, Stuart Humsey, not uh, not with us this evening. So I'll go through the whole transfer business. Uh, and of the three teams, they were the busiest on transfer deadline day, signing four players. So I believe Stuart covered this in the last podcast, was that Adama Traore, no, not that one, and not the other one, or even the other one that you're potentially thinking about. Uh, this is a attacking midfielder who has joined after leaving Hataya Spor in Turkey. Um, I did have his nationality to hand, and I've not written it down, which is foolish. But he's a full international, so he does bring a nice bit of experience into the squad. Um, they then made three loan signings where... Xavier Simmons has joined on a season-long loan from Chelsea. He is mainly a defensive midfielder, but can also play centre-back or right-back, apparently. And then they've signed two more attacking midfielders. The first one, Demetrius Pelkas, joined on a season-long loan from Fenerbahce. And then Harvey Vale joins on a season-long loan from Chelsea. Another attacking midfielder, but apparently can also be deployed on the left wing. So, obviously, Ryan Longman, currently shoots in his pants. Andrew Cook, his pants from a goal scorer perspective. We'll come on to that later on. Uh, one outgoing uh, was young defender Jevon Mills, as John Gates said. He just said he was joining. Well, he said he's joined until January. He'd only signed a new contract last season, so I can only assume that is a loan deal. Um, Mr. Moore, I do have the Forest uh, these uh, deals written down, but if you'd like to take us through them, uh, be my guest. So I think we might have mentioned it last time, but eventually Wilfred Bowley, who uh, kind of forced his way out of Wolves by the sound of it, kind of refused to play against uh, Newcastle United. Um, <clears throat> so got himself a bit of bit of grief from the Wolves fans, uh, but made his way to um, made his way to Forest. Uh, we also signed uh, a, a player called Barde um, from. Stadren, yeah. Stadren, uh, on loan with a view to permanently buy. I think that one is. We also signed Josh Bowler from uh, Blackpool. Blackpool, but then yeah. Immediately loaned him to Olympiacos to go and play. Uh, well, initially they were like, oh yes, um, he's going to go and play in Olympiacos next to Marcelo. Uh, and obviously Hoang, who we talked about last week, um, and also uh, Philip Zinkenagel. Unfortunately, Philip Zinkenagel is uh, on on his way to uh, somewhere in Belgium, I think. Um, I think Club Bruges, maybe? Club Bruges, I, th- I thought Club Bruges, and I was like, I'm not 100% sure about that, but he's definitely off to Belgium, I think. Um, yeah, so Josh Bowler on loan to Olympiacos, so bought by Forrest, loan to Olympiacos for the rest of the season to come back next season next year. Uh, a slight weird one. It, should, it could have possibly been four, uh, 
apparently didn't they didn't uh, on dead, on tra- tra- transfer deadline day, but apparently Chelsea were too busy getting Aubameyang and somebody else through the door. I forgot to send the paperwork to Forrest for Batsu Batsuai 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 Batsuai. Um, so obviously that one didn't go through, um, and then just announced apparently uh, that Forrest have signed. Former Spuds left back, right back extraordinaire uh, Serge Aurier, who uh, was released by Valencia, I want to say, at the end of last season. Close. It is a Spanish team. It is a Spanish team beginning with V, but it is Villarreal. So, yeah, just just signed today. Subject to Visa. Yeah, subject, subject to visa approval, according to uh, the Nottingham Forest website. Um, it's not, it's not quite as bad as the Diego Costa, who hasn't played since January, which is slightly <laughs> more... Uh... He's, the Diego Costa one's weird, because didn't he just get released from his Atletico Mineiro contract? So they just said, we don't want you. We don't want you around yeah. the team. You, you're too much of a you're too much of a bad influence. So we don't even want you. But I think the deal with Wolves is that they just they have nobody. They need bodies in the in the in the team, and they just need bodies in the door because they just yeah, yeah. they haven't got anyone to play up front for them. So, but yes, that, ladies and gentlemen, is your transfer roundup for another season. Well, I say another season well, until January. When the, uh, the when the transfer window will slam open, that's definitely not a term. But you know, we'll go with it. We'll see what we'll see what happens. So, transfer roundup done. We move to week six and the predictions. So, we had games spread across all three days. So we had Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. We started. In Nottingham, he's just giving you the Nottingham Forest roundup there of the transfer the transfer business. So let's go to him again for a roundup of the game against Bournemouth, Mister Moore. What on earth happened? I think I think the, the phrase capitulation is thrown around a lot, uh, but I think this is. I, 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 well, we'll go through the game and then we'll try and talk about after. So Forest started really well. Uh, Koyate scored his first goal for Forest, a bit of a towering header um, at the back post, I want to say. Um, nice, nice start. Then Brennan Johnson scored a penalty that was given via VAR. It was one of those ones where, it, yeah, maybe it wouldn't always be given, but I, I mean, we, like me and Stu, were watching it at the same time. And we both kind of said, it looks like a penalty to us because his arm were both going towards the ball kind of thing, whether, whether it was intentional or not. They weren't in a natural position. So Forrest went in 2-0 at half-time. You kind of think, brilliant. This, the team that were playing has just sat the manager. We've got a caretaker manager. This should be done and dusted. Uh, no. Uh, Billings came out. Scored an absolute worldie of a, of a first goal. Looking at it, maybe Henderson could have done better. I think, possibly. I don't know how much the ball moved, but you know, there was probably a little bit. I would go a little bit on the side of probably could have done better. Uh, but then, soon after that, Dominic Solanke got the second to kind of equalise it up. 
and then after um, a bit of say bad, not so much defending, just of not clearing his lines properly from Paul McKenna. Uh, Paul McKenna, oh, that's a throwback to Forrest. Scott McKenna, um, Jennings had a tap in to make it 3-2. Um, so yeah, capitulation. Um, but I think we, we, we talked about this kind of towards the end of the season last time with Forrest. And I think Cooper has a game plan. If that game plan goes all right, Forrest are fine. If the game plan doesn't go right, then he, he doesn't have any kind of in-game adaptations. He never kind of there's never like a, a backup plan or a change to the plan, or he doesn't seem to be able to get the team to go right. Pull yourself together. You know, when they conceded the first goal, that should have been the first kick up the backside they got to sort around themselves around. Definitely the equaliser should have been, right lads, we just need to hang on for a point now. So then to capitulate to lose 3-2, and it was just like listening to the analysis and watching the games, it was basically like, yeah, Forrest just... Bournemouth made a change at half-time and Forrest didn't know what to do about it. And you're like, well, hang on a minute, that's not that's not great, kind of thing. Yeah, I, th- I think, like, like you said, the, the manner of the third goal is the worst of the three for me. Because, like you said, all McKenna needs to do there is just be a little bit more sensible. And you can tell what he's trying to do. He's basically trying to shepherd the ball out for a throw on that, that right-hand side, or left-hand side, I suppose, if you look at it from a forest perspective. Um, and, he just, and he just lets... I think it was Solanke, wasn't it? I think he just lets Solanke just basically bully him off the ball and then just cut yeah, inside. It, took, it looked like he took a touch to then try and play it back to the goalkeeper as well, and... Oh, sorry, no, that is it. Yeah, he did try and play back to the keeper, and he just nicked in and took it. Yeah. Uh, so he just completely over, he just completely under it the pass. Um, and it's unfortunately that's it's that sort of thing where eight times out of ten you'll get away with that in the championship. You you don't get away with a pass like that in the Premier League. No. It's just one of those things where they've been punished for a little bit of lax playing. Unfortunately, it's come at a point where it's given them absolutely no time to respond, and it's cost them a game. Um, I don't know if, based on the fact that he's signed two players on the transfer deadline, means that moving forward, that back three will look a lot different. I don't know. Um, the, the, the general consensus has been, and I. I, I, I I'm the first to admit that Forest fans are the most overreactionary fans in the country. Honestly, like, I mean, well, I say that. I see what Forest fans say, and it's it's ridiculous what they're saying. Like, you know, is this Worrell's not good enough for the Premier League? And I'm like, if Burnley were willing to pay up, upwards of 15, 17 million for him, like less than 12 months ago, I think he was good enough for the Premier League. I think they got found out a little bit by the fact that strikers in the Premier League are they only need they only need the one chance possibly have have they kind of I think it's you know and I've, I've, I've kind of sat here and I've got kind of snarky about all the comments about them signing lots of players and you know I will sit on the fact that you know we lost 14 players from the first team squad and and I think you know it, it, so signing. 20, 20, what, 20 players, too many possibly, but as, 
as like some of the pundits have said, you've got to have a squad of of players that are not only match day 11, you've then got to have nine on the bench to make pop five possible substitutions. And my worry is, is that they, they've got to start bedding in quickly. Like, none of the strikers are scoring. Apart from Johnson, none of the strikers are scoring. But they're not getting a run in the team. So, if you want a one you to score, and like someone put a clip of the goals that he's been he scored in the Bundesliga last year, they're not playing to his strengths. But then he's not getting the match time, he's getting a match, then he's getting dropped again, then he's getting in, it's coming in again, and you can't expect players. At some point, players are going to be like, well, I want to play. And, and you know, it is, it is the issue of bringing in 20 players. But, you know, there's not a person on this on the pitch who you think is going to score, like, then, and score a lot. Um, on the flip side of that, you also need a quick defender at the back, and one thing that I would definitely say is that Steve Steve Cook, uh, Scott McKenna and and Joe Wall on none of them are fast. And if you make a mistake, you've got to be able to catch it up. Hopefully, I know um, uh, Kete, who was the who started off the season there. He, he definitely was quick. He was able to recover things quickly. Um, I don't think Bali is the most rapid, but apparently. Bardet is um, so hopefully hopefully Forrest have had a week to get everybody embedded into the team things settled down things organised stuff like that uh, I think that the only thing that concerned me about the Bournemouth game was that the left back that we've got Lodi that guy bombs on there was one stage where he was the front guy he was the most forward player in the team and I'm like yeah and, and Bournemouth were absolutely flying down their right hand side of course they are, because there's nobody there. You know, and the problem is, on the other side, Nico Williams does the same. Yeah. But then, you know, the, there is only one Ryan Yates. He can't cover the space for two for two players. And I think that's unfortunately where Forrest got undone, is the fact that they've got two, play, two attacking-minded wing-backs, but it leaves the back three very exposed. Yeah, it's it's that it's that thing. It obviously you'd like you'd like the idea of attacking wing backs, but they are wing backs at the end of the day. They they can get forward as much as they want, but the whole point is they've got to have that engine to be able to get up and down, up and down. They've got to be able to get back when they need to, just as much as when they're going forward. So a disappointing result for Forest in the end. Not only a disappointing result for Forest, a disappointing result for this podcast as all four of us had varying degrees of Nottingham Forest wins. Myself, Stu and Matt all went for a 2-1 win, with Andy going for a 2-0 win. Um, little, a little bit of, uh, of solace was taken in the fact that of all the goal scorers picked, Andy did have Johnson to score. So from that first game, only Andy comes out of it with a point. We move on to the East Riding of Yorkshire and for Mr Woodmancy's team Hull City I've said it before he's not here he can't give us the lowdown but he did send me a few bits and pieces so let me just refer to my phone um, Hull, went, or Hull actually lost this game 2-0 against Sheffield United um, I think that's probably what was to be expected given the respective positions of the two teams in the table um, Sheffield United took the lead in the first minute with a 
interesting. In the first half, uh, with a goal after 20 minutes by Ollie McBurney, uh, and the second goal was added in the second half uh, with Sanderberg, who remains at the club after the shutting of the transfer window, much to my chagrin and annoyance, as he will tear the league to pieces. Um, he scored the second in the 75th minute. Uh, the, the few notes the student give was uh, it's actually a rare game where Hull had the most possession of the two teams. Um, the stats read as if it was a fairly even game. You could possibly even say that Hull maybe shaded it and had the edge. Uh, but one of his friends who was actually in attendance for the game said that the difference in the two teams was that Hull's goalkeeping wasn't the greatest. I did notice from the uh, the bits that I saw that the the Sanderberg goal did have a very much of an element of the same goal that he scored against Middlesbrough a couple of weeks ago, one where edge of the box, he's going away from goal, but he's managed to cut it back across the keeper and the keeper isn't, isn't able to save it. Uh, so disappointing from a whole perspective. Um, not so disappointing from a podcast perspective, I'm not going to lie. As uh, for the second game in a row, both myself, Stu and Matt had gone for an agreed 1-2 scoreline. So we all had Sheffield United to win. Delicious, tasty points there. Um, Andy, however, had a 1-1 draw. No good. No good, I'm afraid. From the uh, whole goal scorers, there's no points there. From a Sheffield United goal scorer point, uh, Matt went for Ndai and Ahmed Hodzic, sadly no points there. I went for Ndai and McBurney, that's a point. Stu went for Norwood and Berg, that's a point. Andy went for McBurney, so even though he didn't get the result right, he does get a point for a scorer. So after two games there, there's myself, Stu and Matt on, sorry, sorry, myself and Stu on two points. Matt and Andy both on one point each. Our last game of the weekend was the It's Not a Derby Derby between Middlesbrough and Sunderland, taking place on Monday night on the Sky Telly Box. Uh, this one was not a not a must win for Borough, but probably a can't really afford to lose and still have ambitions to... I know it's early in the season, but you kind of set the tempo early doors. Like, I suppose the idea, if, you, if you're looking to be getting promoted from the from the Championship, the idea is don't lose your home games. So this was vitally important. The middles have got a, got a positive result in this one. And get a positive result they did indeed. They managed to secure a 1-0 win with a Riley McGree goal in around the 28th minute, I believe. Now, the goal was a bit of a strange one, and Sky Sports actually played this back a couple of times, as uh, the Sunderland defender, Luke O'Neill, goes to clear the ball, but basically manages to somehow clear it straight into the path of where Brian McGree's shooting, so basically gifts him the assist. But as defenders can't get assists in this game against their opposition, the assist did go to uh, Ryan Giles. Um Bit of a bit of a bit of a poor game, if we're being honest. Not not an awful lot of, uh, of clear cut chances. Duncan Watmore did have a chance towards the end of the game to seal it, but um, just sort of ran himself into no room really, uh, and his shot got blocked. 
Um, Sunderland could have taken the lead in the seventh minute, but managed to blaze over the bar. They actually lost their starting striker in the warm-up as well. So their, their game plan was kind of thrown into a bit of disarray just before the kickoff. Um, so, predictions-wise, Matt, sadly, the only person to not get a point here as he went for a one-up, one-up draw with Muniz and Ross Stewart, the aforementioned striker who was injured in the warm-up to get the goal. Unfortunately, Matt, no points. Um, Andy went for a 2-1 win with Watmore, Force and Stewart to score the goals. So no points for goal scorers, but he does get himself a point for the results. Um, I had 2-0 to the Borough with Mooney's and Watmore scoring the goals. No goal, no points uh, no points for goal scorers. But I do get a point for the, uh, the, the, the results. And Stu had gone for a 3-1 with Jones, Crooks and McGree to score the goal for the Borough. So he gets himself two points there. So, rounding out the week nicely, Matt on one point, Andy and myself on three points. I actually uh, did Andy out of a point in that uh, that second game, so he should have had two points. I do apologize. Uh, but winning the week, and he's not even here to celebrate, it is Mr. Woodman. So, he got himself four points, gets himself on the board, even though I'm not technically writing down who wins the weeks. How many so, times how many times has that happened? How many well, times when, not here, well, when somebody's out. not here that they win the week. I'm gonna start I'm gonna start having weeks off just so I can win the week. <laughs> I'm like uh gents I'm not gonna oh, be here next week. You're not so, uh, taking weeks off mate. You you win enough. You you were always predicting correct like results like left, right and centre. Well let's see if he can do it again when we move into week seven's predictions and we start with Blackpool going up against Middlesbrough. Now, obviously, this is my team. I will go last. I do have my prediction written. Look, as he's not here, Mr. Woodman, he has sent me his prediction, so I'll open up with his. And he has gone for a Blackpool 1, Middlesbrough 2 scoreline, with Yates to get the goal for Blackpool, and they go each for Crooks and Muniz. Uh, Mr. Cook... What do you think? I'm going. Uh, I'm going outside the box this week, changing week in week out, trying to adjust. Um, I did plenty of research. I've got Blackpool nil, Borough one, and as he's still listed on the books at Borough and apparently eligible to play, gone with a Chubber goal. I'll let you pick again because he's out until after the international break. Well, that is disgusting. Uh, Fours. He's available. Mr. Mott. Uh, you could put a ditto under Mr. Woodmancy's uh, prediction because I've got exactly the same. Two so ones one, two. Yates, Crooks and Munitz. Yeah. Uh... Well, it's, uh, it's a strange you say that, because uh, I, too, have gone for Yates, Crooks and Muniz to score. But I've also thrown in a third goal there for Borough, for McGree. So, there we go, that's the first <laughs> Collusion. <game. laughs> Collusion. Yeah, probably, yeah. There was, there was an email that went round beforehand to uh, guess, the, uh... the admin 
the admin side of the uh, of the cookie cast, not the yes. uh, not the boss. Guess, so, uh, guess guess my name's not on that email train. Yeah. My, my well, boss it's because you're the boss. You don't you don't in, you don't include the uh, the management, do you? Can't be including the management. We move to South Wales, where Cardiff City will take on Hull City. Now, unfortunately, this couldn't have been arranged for the weekend where the Hull City fan just happened to be in Cardiff, could it? I mean, the likelihood of you going to that game and then to the wrestling was probably slender at best, let's be honest. But, Cardiff City take on Hull City. I have gone for a slender 1-0 Hull win with Estupinian to score the goal. Mr Moore, what do you reckon? I've gone for a ones each. 1-1? One, one. Yeah. With a Sawyer, Sawyer goal for... Um, Sawyer's. And Estepina for Hull. Mr Cook? So, like I was saying before, I did, I did actual research. Uh, I uh, Same score as Matt. 1-1. One, one. Uh... I do like the opportunity to say uh, I've gone with Tater for Hull. Um, and whilst perusing for a goal scorer for Cardiff, I fell upon Davies. And was like, uh, it's a sign. Absolutely putting that one down. Well, well, well. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Davies and Teddy, get your money on that. The actual Hull fan has agreed with you two and has gone with a 1-1 draw. He has gone for the... I mean, this guy, if, if he's not made it into the the Amy Brinton name Hall of Fame, I don't know which what, what will, but he's gone for Philogene Bidace to score for, for Cardiff uh, and, unsurprisingly, Estupinian to score for Hull. He did put in his predictions Oscar, but... I don't remember him signing the ex-Chelsea guy, so I'm going to go with SDP. Our next game completes the weekend set. I say a weekend, it's technically another Monday night game. And it is Leeds <coughs> versus Nottingham Forest. Obviously, he sat right there. He's even got his shirt on. We'll come to him last. I have gone for a 1-1 draw with Bamford to score for Leeds. Ex-boy rule. And Lingard to score for Nottingham Forest. Mr. Woodmansey has gone for a 1-1 draw with Adams to score for Leeds and Gibbs White to score for Forest. Mr. Cook. Leeds. Nil. Yes. Nottingham Forest. Three. Come <laughs> on, then. I've had to change tack. Since a, a, a recent incident. So, uh, the three goals will be two from Johnson. And again, I'm hopeful because he's listed on the website. Dennis. Yeah, he'll come good eventually, old old Emmanuel. Uh, go on, uh, go on, Mr. Moore. Tell us how it's actually going to go down. I've gone for a two-all draw. Two 
his shoulder still knackered though? I believe he's out till October. Let me change Rodrigo to, to Harrison because he looks like an annoying. And then I can't say the word what he is. <laughs> an annoying so and so. So we change it to Harrison. Yes, please. And you're not in the Forest goal scores? A one year. I'm hoping that he's going to start getting some game time. A year. And Johnson. And he's either going to score or he's going to get sent off. Yeah, he's, he's definitely in that sort of ilk, and he's that sort of player, sadly. Uh, we, we, we celebrated his shittiness last week. <laughs> but I think at some point it might get, uh, get, get him into trouble. Might come back and bite him in the arse. We move on to the second to last game of the week, where Hull City will take on Stoke City. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll change it around. I've got the I've got the two results in my book here, but I'll come to you boys first. Uh, Matt, what do you reckon for this one? I've gone for two-one Hull win. Interesting. You goal scorers? <laughs> come on, uh, Estepinha and Tete. Tete. And for Stoke, Baker. Yeah, it's a nice, nice pick, Mister Mo- uh, Mister Cook. Sorry, Hull one, Stoke one, Estupinian, and crossing all my fingers that this person is going to play uh, Gale. Funny you should mention that. I've gone for a Hull City one, Stoke City two. This one. Obviously, Hull, uh, Stoke, new manager. He hasn't had the bounce quite yet. I think it could be coming this week. I've gone for two fan to score for Hull, with Gale and Powell to score, as obviously Powell, old boy rule. Uh, the Hull City fan has gone optimistic on this one. He's gone for a 2 0 win with two fan and a tete. Score the goals. We finished the week. Back on Teesside, Costa del Teesside indeed, where Middlesbrough will take on Hull City's sloppy seconds in the form of Cardiff City. Mr Woodmancy has gone straight in with a 1-0 Middlesbrough win with Johnny Howson to score the goal. Mr Cook. Middlesbrough 2, Cardiff 1. Uh, I've had to. I, I've, I've now noticed that I've had to double down on fours here, um, and I'm taking a leaf out of Matt's book, and I've gone with hop, hoppy, hoppy, and uh, I didn't want to just put the same person down for the same team, so I went with a different person, and I've got Harris, Harris, Picardy. I haven't got a clue who he is, uh, Mister Book. I've gone. 3-1 to the Borough. Oh, my word. Raining goals on side. I mean, it'll probably be absolutely pissing it down. But your goal scorers? Uh, I've got McCree. He's on fire. Mooners. He is. And Clark. Yeah. Oh, oh Clarky boy. Clarky cat up from the back. Uh, for Cardiff. And I've doubled down on the uh, Sawyer one. 
because I realise sometimes when we do when we have sloppy seconds weeks, you predict one of them in one game and then they score in the other one. So I'm like, I'm not having that this time. It's always the way, or it's it's literally the opposite game. They score in the opposite yeah. game. Uh, as the homer, I have gone for a two nil win on this one. I've gone for two first time goal scorers this season with Hoppy and Giles. Giles has been getting amongst the assists, but he's yet to get off the mark goal scoring wise. That, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of the pre uh, of the of the predictions for this week. I don't believe I've got anything else to bring up. Do either of you boys have anything to bring up? I've got very very quickly. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel being sacked, which was uh, unusual. Very quick. I think he's kind of lost it a little bit over the past few weeks. Ever since the kind of Tottenham handshake, he just seems to have gone a bit off the rails. Yeah, not the best. He's, a, he's the unfortunate thing of, it's the new owner syndrome as well. You get it a lot in America, kind of thing, with, with the new owners. And they either like to change a team or get a splashy kind of player signed. And I think, unfortunately, he wasn't their manager. And he started poorly at the start of this season. And... They've just gone, right, yeah, we're cutting cutting bait with you there, mate, and uh, it seems a strange decision. Yeah, like you say, I think it's unfortunate when like a, when a new guy takes over, I think the uh, the old manager seems to be not so much on borrowed time always, but it's always a bit of a, he might be the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, uh, unfortunately. And uh, Mr Tuchel, even though within 20 months of being the manager, one of the Champions League and the Club World Cup, you're not good enough, mate. So, sayonara, you're off out on your ear. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much once again for joining myself and these two lovely gentlemen in our trip through the footballing world. Join us again in around about seven days or so, and we'll, uh, we'll do it all again. You never know, there might even be four of us here to discuss it all with you. Thanks once again, and we'll see you soon. So there you go, what do you think to that? A man down, but still awesome content. I think you'll agree. Thank you for listening along. Thank you for watching along. Before you go, if I could just ask you one small favour, which is a lot of favours rolled into one, and that is, if you've got a football fan in your life, send them this podcast, send them a link, drop it into their emails, however you want to get it to them, just send it their way. Also, you can like, share, subscribe and comment, drop any reviews you want to drop and if you're feeling like you want to get in touch, you can jump over to our website, thecookiecast.com. Over there we've got social media links and an email button and you can get in touch with us. One more could you want. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then.